0: Now I've got a message, I think, that you can be saved by, and I, I do covet your prayers. I'm going to take my time. I, I feel pretty good. My voice doesn't sound very good, and although I'm healed, I'm not better looking than what I was. I don't know how that happens, but anyway, I'm glad to be here, glad to be here, and I do covet your prayers. I'm going to begin in chapter 27 of the book of, of the gospel according uh, to Matthew, <coughs> and uh Lord, I have no idea. There it is, what I've done with my outline. I'm going to begin reading in verse 33. I could have preached it without the outline, just a little handy when you got one. And I'm going to read down through and include verse 53. If I count right, that's uh, 21 verses, not too long. But we don't hear this enough. I mean, I, I'm talking about the passages I'm going to read. Josh and I talk about the gospel all the time. We, we mention the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ all the time. That's a fundamental of our faith. That, that's the foundational thing of our faith. That is the primary uh, cornerstone of our faith, is the fact that Jesus died for our sins, that he was buried according to the Scripture, and, the, uh, and that on the third day he arose according to the Scripture. That's fundamental. Can't be saved without that. We need that. So listen to what the Word of God says. Verse 35 and the following. They crucified him, speaking of Jesus, and parted his garments, casting lots that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. They parted my garments among them, and upon my vesture did they cast lots. And sitting down, they watched him there and set over his head this accusation written, This is Jesus, uh, the King of the Jews. Then were there two thieves crucified with him, one on the right hand and another on the left. And they that passed by reviled him, wagging their heads and saying, Thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself if thou be the Son of God come down from the cross. Likewise also the chief priests mocking him with the scribes and elders said, he saved others, himself he cannot save. If he be the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross, and we will believe him. He trusted in God, let him deliver him now, if he will have him. For he said, I am the son of God. The thieves also which were crucified with him cast the same in his teeth, Now, from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land unto the ninth hour. At about the sixth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, Lamach, Sabachthani, that is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And some of them that stood by there, when they heard that said, this man calleth for Elias. And straightway one of them ran and took a sponge, filled it with vinegar and put it on a reed and gave him to drink. And the rest said, let be, let us see whether Elias will come to save him. And Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to bottom. And the earth did quake and the rocks rent. And the graves were open, and many of the bodies of the saints which slept arose and came out of the grave. Notice this important word after his resurrection, and went into the holiest city and appeared unto many. Father, I'm thankful this morning for the privilege of being in the house of the Lord. I'm thankful, God, for the people that have assembled here, both saints and sinners, to come and hear from heaven, to hear from the Word. God, they didn't come to hear me. They come to hear from you, and I pray that they might. I pray, God, that you would touch us with your Word, stir us with your Spirit. and God, by the grace that you have made available to us, draw us heavenward. Yea, draw us Christward, I do pray. Father, I pray that there's anybody in here undone, unsure if they're saved, God backslidden on you, Lord, not ready to answer the call to judgment and to eternity if they don't know for sure they're going to heaven, may they get under such conviction that as the Philippian jailer at Philippi cried out, may they say too, what must I do to be saved? Glorify your son, honor your name, and Father, we'll praise you for all that you're going to do in this message and through this message, because we ask it in that name that's above every name, the name of Jesus, your Son, our Savior, and all of God's people said. I'm not going to uh, reread any particular verse out of that passage. I'll make mention of a few as I share the message with you. But I want to talk to you today for a little while about this thought He did it all for me. He did it all for me. As the song goes on to say, it's a drop of blood. He shed at Calvary, and it says for even me, but I like at Calvary when the Savior cried, bowed his head, and died. He did it all for me. Let me ask you all something. Have Have you ever had anybody say something to you, and you took it real personally? We well, can I tell you what happens generally? That's not a good thing. I, I mean, when somebody said, so I took that real personally, it means you've been offended, you've been upset. Can I tell you something today, if we'd be wise, sinners, Satan alike, we ought to take this message personally. Amen. We ought to glean everything that we can out of it, not because I'm preaching, but because of what I'm preaching, what I read to you. The words of God will be more important than the words of T.K. Price. But I'm going to do my best to stick with the Word of God. To share from you what I've gleaned from the Word of Almighty God. We need to take this message personally. And say why? Because I'm talking about your eternity, sir. I'm talking about your soul, ma'am, that'll live on and on. Well, let me change that. It'll exist somewhere. Live if you're saved. But listen, you'll die for eternity if you're lost. I'd take this message as personally as I could. As we look at this passage of Scripture that I read, and you're here, and I want you to know that day and those events were no accident. It was a day that came out of eternity past. We could call it like one of our presidents said about a great day in American history. It was truly a day of infamy. One that will endure, one that will last. Can I tell you, even the world that denies that Jesus is, they mark their calendars by either A.D. or B.C. Now, I know they've changed it to B.C.E., Before a common era, an A-D-E, after something, whatever it is. But let me tell you something, there's no error that Jesus came. No error about who Jesus was. No error in how he lived. No error in how he died. No error in how he arose and what he was doing because he did all of those things. He did it all for me. He did it all for you. I, I remember reading the book of John. Now, this is, this is the day. Jesus didn't say this on the, on the day that he spoke this. He didn't say it on the day that he was going to be crucified. But on his way to Jerusalem, he was confronted with some Greeks who wanted to see Jesus. And Jesus said, what shall I say? Shall I say, Father, deliver me from this hour for this hour? And for this cause came I into this world. Listen, sinner friend, he did what he did for me and you. He loved us so much that he came to seek and to save that which is lost. And you say, Preacher, do you have the audacity to call me a sinner? No, but I've got the authority to tell you that God does. The Word of God says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I might agree with you wholeheartedly if you'd say, I'm not a bad sinner. I'd say, amen, I believe you, but the problem is you're a sinner. And the Bible doesn't say that if you're a good sinner as opposed to a bad sinner, you'll be all right. The Bible commands every man to repent. And you've got a choice. God give you the power to choose to reject him and die lost and go to hell or receive him by faith. Be saved enjoy the pleasures of heaven freely but fully, eternally. So I've got three simple points I'm going to share with you this morning. Number one, I want you to think with me about a plan. This plan came out on eternity past. It existed in the mind and the heart of God as long as God has existed. And isn't it amazing, friend, that he is eternal, had no beginning, had no ending. That scares the bejeebies out of me, but I know it to be true. He didn't just start. He was not created. He was not birthed. The Bible says that he is the great I am that I am. He always was, he always will be, and he always has been. For that I say glory to God. Now listen to me. If I could explain this God of the Bible, you know what I'd do? I'd close it. No, I wouldn't even close it. I wouldn't take time to close it. I'd take my microphone off, turn it off, and I would pick up everything else I got on this pulpit that belongs to me. I'd walk out and never come back if I could explain him. But he is so infinite. He is so mighty. He is so great. He is so high. I can't explain him, but thank God I don't have to. All he called me to do is proclaim him. And that's what I'm going to do. This was a plan that came out of an eternity past, and it came out of the very heart of God. You say, how do you know that? If you want to turn to John 3.16 or quote it with me as soon as I get a sip of water, we'll hear it again. This is what he said. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Notice the beginning of that. For God so loved the world. Two verses come quickly to my mind about the love of God. He said in John 13, 1 or 2, having loved his own from the beginning, he loved him unto the end. The book of Jeremiah 31 and 3, I have loved thee with, get this, an everlasting love. A love that had no beginning, a love that has no end. It's a plan that came out of eternity, out of the heart of Almighty God and out of the creator that knew even back before he created that if he breathed breath in the nostrils of Adam after he had formed him out of the dust of the ground, if he would breathe in his nostrils the breath of life, he knew in order to redeem him and save him someday, he would have to shed his blood and give his life to do so. Hey, listen, there is a plan in all of this. Do you ever wonder about God? Do you ever wonder about why he put all of this in order? Do you ever wonder about what all it cost him, how great the cost was, how much he suffered, how much he endured, how much he gave up to come to redeem sinners that actually were at intimacy with God, that that we're not worth being saved as far as anything emanating out of us but the need to be saved? You see, we've been justified freely. We've been justified freely by the grace of God. And that's a glory hallelujah statement right there. But I'm telling you, friend, he had a perfect plan. And he was willing to bring it to pass, even, listen, to die the death of the cross. And I'll quote you that scripture in just a little bit. The plan included the fact that Christ would come as a man. Isn't that amazing? I mean, here God eternal took upon him, friend, uh, that likeness and that fashion of mankind. That meant that God would have to become man while retaining or continuing to be God. He would be both God and man in order to die for man and yet at the same time be able and willing to redeem mankind. Now, I'm happy. I don't know about you all, but I'm stirred over this. You see, Christ would come as a man and die. And yet after three days, he would live again. And there's a part of God that though his body died, he never died. And I'll show you a little bit of that later in the message. You see, you say, why did he have to die? So we could live. He had to die so that we could be saved. He didn't die because he sinned, although the Bible says the wages of sin is death. Listen to this. Get this and you won't get it. A holy God that knew no sin, that never sinned, never could sin, became sin for me and for you that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Nobody can conceive or perceive that. Nobody can comprehend or explain that. Let me tell you what you can do. You can believe it on the authority of the Word of God. That's all you need to do. Won't it be wonderful there when God begins to unfold His plan and the deep truths and the plain truths that will be so deep that we'll stand back and glorify Him for an eternity? If we ever get close to forgetting what Jesus did for us and that uh, that new land that his son has gone to prepare for us, all we got to do is go by the throne and throw our hand up and he'll raise one of his nail-pierced hands up and we'll stop there, fall on our face and give him glory once again. You say, preacher, we won't forget, will we? Well, I don't think we will over there, but I like to tell it like that anyway. I like to think we're going to see his nail-pierced hands. Not scarred. They're not healed up. They'll never be healed up according to the Word of God. And you know what? He came, this plan. This plan is unique to every other, every other religion that there is. in the world. How many religions are there now, Josh? Over 4,000. There's over 4,000 religions in the world. That's amazing. But there's only one, friend, that gives um, their, their uh, uh, what would you call a participant uh, the relationship with God that man is seeking for, and that is Christianity. Let me tell you something. Instead of, of God expecting man to work for his salvation, he did all the work. And the only thing that he asked man to do was to believe, repent, and trust Christ as Savior. And if I were you today, lost and undone, backslider and even sane alike, I'd take his message personally. He did it all for me. Say that with me. He did it all for me. Say it again. He did it all for me. Doesn't that feel good? See, it's one thing to hear me say it. It's another thing for us to say it. Just, just pacify me one more time. He did it all for me. Sure, I must be something. I'm a lump I'm a piece of dirt. But I was made intensely, originally, in the likeness of God. And I know I took upon me the likeness of Adam, and by the way, so did you. Thank God now that I've been saved, he's restored me back. He's given me the righteousness that Adam lost, and so the holiness, according to Ephesians chapter, what is it, 5 maybe? And you can have that too. But number two, not only was there a plan, there was a process. Simply, I want to state this as quickly as I can. Jesus was born of a virgin. Now see, that's easy sl- said, but it's inexplicable. It can be explained. Only God can do something like that. They're going to tell you in essence what Christianity is. It's the same thing, friend that happened to Mary. When you get saved, Christ is born in you. He wants us to flesh out the word of God, like Jesus did. He was the word of God incarnate. It was manifest through the flesh, and that's what God wants us to be. You see, Jesus was born of Mary. He became the word of God in flesh. And in fact, the book of Philippians, chapter 2, I believe, tells us that he took upon himself the form of a servant in the likeness of men, was found in the fashion of man. And listen to this how profound. He became obedient unto death. I love this next word, even the death of the cross. Now, I don't know about you all, but I've often wondered about this. I think if I'd have been God, I'd made it a little bit easier on my son to die. Y'all heard about the new execution style that they have uh, developed or, or, or come up with or decided on in America to die under nitrogen gas? You know? It's really asphyxiation is what it is. They ought to get them a bottle of black damp. Coal miners know what that is. And, and, or just put somebody in the room and deplete the oxygen. You know, what, you know what happens? You begin to get dizzy. Ears begin to ring. Before long, you just black out and you die. It's real simple. I could give them a real easy way. But all the proponents of the man that committed gross murder, that forget about the murderer's victims, they'd cry and whine about that. I don't know about y'all, but I still believe the book. I still believe there ought to be capital punishment. Really, really believe that with all of my heart. When you say, preacher, that's murder. No, it is not. That's justice. Murder is what caused them to need justice. see. There's a little bit of difference. Matter of fact, there's a lot of difference. Not only did Jesus uh, be born of a virgin, but he lived sinless among us for 33 and a half years. He knew no sin. He did no sin. He had no sin. The book of 2 Corinthians 5.21, the book of 1 Peter 2.22, the book of 1 John 3 and 5, I believe it is. He had no sin. He knew no sin. He did no sin. And yet he was tried in all points as we are, Guess what the Bible says? Yet without sin. Spent 40 days and nights. Immediately after his baptism, one of the gospel writers said he was driven into the wilderness by the Spirit. 40 days, 40 nights, he, he was in the wilderness alone without food and with water. And along came old Smutty Face, the devil, at the end of those 40 days. And with the same three things that he tempted Adam and Eve with in the garden, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life at the base or the roots of that tree of knowledge of good and evil in the garden in the beginning. He tried the second or the last Adam. And You know what Jesus did? Jesus withstood him. Every time Satan suggested something, he reached over and grabbed a hold of the um, the, the, the handle of his sword and unsheathed it. I, I can hear this. It's in my mind. He didn't have a sword on him, okay? Everybody knows that. Say amen. But I'm talking spiritually, okay? In my mind, I can hear him reaching over and just thus it is written. Three times he defeated Satan by the word of God. Here is God manifest in the flesh, and he could have taken any means or thing that he chose to defeat on Smutty Face. You know what he did? He took what he gives me and you to defeat him this book. Whether we believe it or not, we sung about we've got the power. We've not only got the power, we've got the victory. Just sometimes all we, we, we need to do is kind of act like it and take it. 33 and a half years he lived sinless among us. And all of the Gospels record that he died for us. But I like 1 Corinthians fifteen three, as Paul wrote to, uh, to this carnal church, something that is remarkable and eternally worth glorifying God over. Paul said, Christ died for our sins. All of them. Past sins, present sin, future sins. The Bible tells us in the book of Isaiah 53, 6, That all we like sheep have gone astray. The Lord, uh, we have turned our own way, and the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all when Jesus was suspended between the heaven and the earth. And and I believe it's in a time that I'm going to mention in the last three hours of of his time on the cross under the the shade of darkness some way that I can't explain that only God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit knows God laid upon Jesus my sin and your sin and the sin of all the world. Isn't that amazing? See, we don't get as excited about that, folks, as I think we should. I'm not going to hell because Christ died in my stead. I'm not going to suffer in a place of darkness and damnation and doom for eternity because Christ went to hell in my stead. Hey, listen, if I were you, I'd take this personally. We sit so glumly under the gospel anymore. Amen or ouch? We've heard it so many times. We just take it for granted. And if we're not careful, some of us will think, well, he should have died for me. Oh, if you ever get to that place, you ought not wait till the preacher quits preaching. You ought to storm your way to an altar and say, God, forgive this old stony heart. I'm telling you, friend, Listen. There, there was not only a plan, but there was a, a process. And I want to look at the process as we look in Matthew 27 really quickly, because I'm getting to the purpose. You know, as I was studying about this, and I was reading certain words, beginning to just jump off the page in chapter 26 and 27. I'm not going to reread them, but I, I, I just jotted down 21 things out of these two chapters that happened to Jesus in less than a 12-hour period of time, probably. Maybe maybe 15 hours. I'll I'll extend a little bit, 15 hours. And I'm going to give them to you really, really quick. Matthew 26, 45, Judas betrayed him. 26, 56, the disciples forsook him. In 26 and 67... They spat in his face and buffeted him, and they smote him with the palms of their hands. 26, 69 through 75, Peter denied him. In 27 and 2, they bound him. Chapter Verse 12, they accused him. 26, they scourged him. 28, they stripped him. 29, they crowned him with thorns and mocked him. They spit upon him again in verse 30, smote him with reeds. In verse 31, they led him uh, away to be crucified. 35, they crucified him. 36, they watched him. Pilate identified him in verse 37. 7. In verse 39, they reviled him. and In verse 41, they mocked him. 20 times they abused him. That's what this really comes down to. And when you begin to look at verse 46, which makes 21 times, and it's no doubt in my mind, friend, maybe the most grievous to hear he was forsaken by God. Hey, listen, for me and you. Now, I'm going to tell you all something. There's only two choices as to how you can deal with your sin, sinner friend. The first one is if you die lost, and God puts you into that Christless eternity, a devil's hell, if you will, where you die eternally paying for your sin, but you never get them paid for or else you accept what an infinite God did for a finite amount of time when he suffered your hell and was forsaken by God in your stead. It's only two choices you and I have, and to me, that is so, so, so profound. Let me just give you the definition of two things. Here in chapter 27, in verse 39, they reviled him. You know what that means? That means to attack verbally, viciously, abusively, scurriously, all prompted by anger and or hatred against a man that opened blinded eyes, unstopped deaf ears, healed withered hands, healed a people of blindness, of of issues of blood, raised them from the dead, fed 5,000, walked on waters, and healed multitudes time after time, delivered demoniacs from demon possessions and a multitude of things that maybe we don't know. And they hated him. They had such anger against him And they mocked him. You know what malk means? It means to laugh at with contempt and ridicule. I can't help that when I read the gospel account of this day about two people in this group or two groups among this group, the people that spat upon him and the people that smote him, I can't help but think how they'll feel and what they'll think in that day of judgment when they see him. Now, let me tell y'all something, not trying to shock you, but yet I am. We're represented somewhere in those people in this passage. We were all there. We either were, were reviling him or marking him or abandoning him or forsaking him or, or accusing him or, or whatever. We were all there. So, let me close with this. Take me a couple minutes, but it's still going to be quick. Not only was there a plan, not only was there a process, but there was a purpose. And listen, I'd take it all personally because, say it with me, he did it all for me. You see, simply stated a process speaks of a way uh, that God provided for a holy God to be satisfied and yet provide a way for lost men and women, boys and girls, to be justified. So look, if you will, beginning verse 45 with me at this passage again. I don't know why in the world the Lord leads me to such deep water at times. It seems like I've been in deep water for the last two years in Bible studies and messages, but I can't go but where he leads. And I can't lead you all. Anywhere that I won't go first. I'm not to leave you all alone. If you understand that, say amen. I'm not to let you sit siren soak. I'm not let you, I'm not to let you degrade or degenerate. I'm to lead you as your shepherd and the under-shepherd of this flock. But here we are, one of the deepest places I think there is in the Word of God. We're going to look into a place that God actually covered with a veil of darkness. And yet, I believe there's sufficient for us to take from the Word of God and other places to get a sense of what went on in this hour. You remember Jesus was on the cross from 9 o'clock in the morning to 3 o'clock in the evening, correct? So, from, the night, from, from 9 o'clock to 12 o'clock, men reviled him men mocked him men laughed at him they derided him they 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 chewed gnawed on him the bible says with their teeth is what he was saying even the two malefactors on his left and right accused him and they all were dying that day but the bible says now from the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land under the ninth hour When he said all the land, I believe this is all planet Earth, personally. You may disagree, but that's okay. I believe, listen, friend. I believe God brought darkness, a supernatural darkness over the world that day. At about the ninth hour, listen to this now, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, Lamax, Sabachthani, my God, my God. Why hast thou forsaken me? Can, can you hear? Can you hear what Jesus was saying? It's almost like he was shocked, profoundly shocked in what he was experiencing. And yet the Bible says in the book of Hebrews, yet he learned obedience to the things that he suffered. The captain of our salvation became perfect, Not that he was imperfect, but that he was made complete. He fulfilled what he came to do. And yet in those words, what went on in those three hours? Have you ever wondered? I mean, the night before, he wept in Gethsemane. I believe that Gethsemane was as dark, if not darker, than this hour in some ways here on the cross of Calvary. And there weren't many hours that separated those two darknesses. Profound what our Savior did for me and you. We're the recipients of it. But let me tell you who is first in this work that Christ did. It is his Father himself and the Spirit of Almighty God. They had to be satisfied. Their integrity had, had to be kept in shape. Their holiness, righteousness, justice had to be both preserved and satisfied before God holy could ever have relationship with sinful men. And listen, he found a way. You ready? Say it with me. He did it all for me. Here's what I believe happened in those three hours. I've mentioned it before. i preached it before, but I need to do it again. I believe that God the Father, God the Son, did eternal business. I, I, believe, they, I believe they did something that affects us for all of eternity and satisfies them. I believe that. There was a transaction that took place between God and God. See, I, I just I, I, can't put my head or my hands around that, but I'm going to tell you what my heart is full of that. Can y'all, can y'all understand that you can? Can't you? I see your head shaking. See, there's some things we don't have to understand, some things we don't have to explain. All we have to do is experience him and say, oh, yeah. Some things don't need to be explained if we can experience it. And you can. How many of you have peace of God in your heart this morning? Say amen. How many of you have the assurance of uh, of your salvation in your heart by the presence of the Spirit? Say amen. How many of you know your name's in the Land book of life? Say amen. How many of you know if you die today, for sure you're going to heaven? Say amen. He did it all for me. It was there, friend, listen, that Christ fulfilled his mission or purpose for coming. Number one, by becoming the high priest that he was. You see, in the Old Testament, there were three offices that were anointed when they, the the, the men that filled the offices took that office on. They had to be anointed. They were the prophets, the priests, and the king. And Jesus was all three. There's only one other man in the Word of God that filled those three offices. Can anybody call his name? Melchizedek. You see, I believe Melchizedek was a pre-incarnation of Christ. I believe he was more than a man. Y'all can disagree. A lot of people do. But uh, I'm convinced in my personal studies that he was a pre-incarnation appearance of Jesus Christ. And Christ who was anointed in the uh, river Jordan upon his baptism by John when the heavens opened. And and when the heavens opened, the, the Spirit began to descend like a dove and lit upon Jesus. And the people that were around heard a voice saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. He was anointed, inaugurated right there in the Jordan, both as a prophet, priest, and a king. Christ was the great high priest, and you know what? Listen, listen to how profound this is. Every other high priest in the Word of God offered something other than himself. He offered an animal. He offered a substitute. But y'all remember what? You remember what Abraham Abraham told Isaac on Mount Moriah when they went up there to worship him? And Isaac said, Father, here's the wood and the fire, but where's the sacrifice? Now listen to how this is written. I need to check this out in other versions. I don't know how it's written in other versions, but I'm going to guess and say probably without a doubt it's not written like this. Abraham said God shall provide himself a sacrifice. He didn't say, everybody listening right now, say amen. He didn't say he'll provide for himself a sacrifice. Are y'all getting it? He said he'll provide himself. So this, listen now, something a man high priest could not do. Christ, listen, just didn't take an animal and offer it, but this great high priest offered himself. And you know what he offered himself as? The Lamb of God that came to take away the sin of the world. That's profound. And he did it all under the cover of darkness. He offered himself as the Lamb of God. And he offered it, listen, friend, on a cross. You say, how oh, did that happen? Well, here's what I believe every, every high priest ministered at an altar. Am I right? If I am, say amen the brazen altar, right? Okay, that's when the tabernacle was up and the temple later. Before that, they always had an altar. Amen? You say, where was that altar? That day, it was the cross. I believe the cross was transformed in the mind and the heart of God, the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit as an altar where God of the Son became the great high priest who offered himself without spot and without blemish Listen, as the eternal sacrifice for my sins and your sins and I say glory to God say it with me he did it all for me one of you young people get up here and run around one time for me I mean that. If I had some money on me, I'd give it to you after church. Now listen, I'm going on and I, I'm getting ready to close. Although, I hope y'all understand this, I am not done. i want to read you something else. This is what he goes on to say in verse 51. Well, let me back up and read, read this in, uh, in verse 50. And when he had cried, see, he cried with a loud voice, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And when he cried again with a loud voice, listen listen to how this is written, he yielded up the ghost. Now, it's going to be a little deep, but it's not so deep anyone cannot understand. When he yielded up his ghost, nobody took his life from him. Pilate said, no, you not, Jesus, that I've got power to take your life, or, or not, Jesus said, Look, buddy, you don't have you, you don't have any power over you except what God give you. No man takes my life from me. I lay it down, I pick it up again. This command of a receiving my father, because I always, I, I because I always uh, I, because my father loved me, because I always do that which pleases him, to the reverses thrown together there. When it was time. Not a moment too early, not a moment too late. Jesus cried with a voice of a victor Father into thy hands I commend my spirit he released he released his spirit bowed his head and died now listen I believe it it's at that time immediately No longer under the limitations of a body in a world that was hampered by time. Jesus stepped out of this world into the unseen world that he was most familiar with. And as a high priest, now listen to this. Listen to my reasoning. It is so sound. It's biblical. Just like a high priest who gathered that blood up of that burnt sacrifice that was offered as a sin offering at the brazen altar outside the tabernacle, outside the temple. Took that blood in an earthen vessel. And you know where he immediately went? Where? Somebody tell me. Into the holy place, right? Actually, in the holiest of holies. How long did he wait? Three days? No, sir. You say, but, but, but. On the day of resurrection, Jesus told him, said, I've not yet ascended to my Father, and your Father, and my God, and your God. He hadn't in that body. Did anybody hear me? But remember what I just told you? He yielded up the ghost. No high priest waited three days to take the blood of a sacrificed animal into the holiest of holies to make an atonement. For the nation that he represented before God Hebrews chapter 9 says this better verse 11 or 12 by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place to make what is it redemption for all mankind I'm not gonna turn and read at times running by too quickly and you say preacher do you really believe that yeah let me give you some more evidence Look at what he says in verse 51. Not three days later, say amen if you agree with that. He said, but behold the veil, meaning in the temple, that separated the holy place where the priests went from the holiest of holies, where God uh, met with uh, the nation of Israel in that place where the ark of the covenant was, the mercy seat was, and the cherubims that's overshadowed it. When he went in once a year, that veil was written twain. Not from bottom up, but from top to bottom. You know what that signified? It signified the fact that the way back to God had been made. Listen, here's the good news. Five of you, I'd take his personal. For whosoever would. I believe with all of my heart, our great high priest, entered into that holy place the Bible says not made with hands and I believe he offered his blood as an atonement for my sin and your sin the sin of all the world every head bowed, nobody looking around and you know what I'd do if I were you friend (laughs) I'd take this personally let me give you one other thing if I may as I make my altar call book of luke i believe it is chapter 23 matter of fact i know it is verse 43 jesus responded to the request of one of those malefactors that he died between do you remember what one of them the one on the right said lord remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom you remember that if you do say amen what did jesus say in three days i'll uh I'll remember you you'll be with me in paradise. He said, This day thou shalt be with me in paradise. Can I ask you, sinner friend, listen. Where are you going to spend eternity? Eternity's a long time. If you Listen. If you're not right with God, I I implore you, I beg you, I can't preach any better than I did today. I can't tell you about the gospel, the work that Christ did, the love that God manifests, the fact that God gave us the best that he had for the worst of us. I can't tell it any plainer if I were you, and I beg you to. will not you trust Christ today as your Savior? If you're backslid.